0: Hello and welcome to Tea and Chat, the podcast where you get to choose the topic. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Tea and Chat. How are you doing? Well, I'd like to start off by saying thank you so much to my Patreon supporters for choosing this week's topic over at my Patreon page, you too can choose the topics for the podcast, and you can find that at patreon.com slash British English. Well, this week we have the hot topic of the month, and the topic chosen by you was Earth Day and Zero Waste. These are topics that really, really interest me. It's actually something that I'm very passionate about. And I recently started a blog called Home Sweet Canada, which can be found at homesweetcanada.ca. And here, I've started posting about how I wish to make the change towards a more lower waste or zero waste lifestyle. And so I'm going to be tracking my progress on that over there. So, before we even get started, if this is something that's interesting to you, you might want to head over to my blog there and save that also. I have so much to talk about today that I hardly know where to begin. Like I said, it's something I'm very passionate about and something that I'm also constantly learning about. Every day, the situation changes and actually, this past month, we've seen a lot of protests taking place around the world, especially in London, for example. I know there have been several climate change protests and also one that is called the Extinction Rebellion, which has gained a lot of interest in the media. I love what these people are doing, really standing up for what they believe in and hoping that their voices will be heard and that they will be able to make a change. I live in a small city, so unfortunately we don't have anything like this Um I don't think there's enough people where I live who are interested in this topic. So we wouldn't be able to gather a large enough crowd right now to be able to do this. But London's a great place if you want to go and protest about something and get your point heard. You can do that. Whether it will make a change or not is a different situation. It's something that people like to kind of debate and argue over, but I think the fact that these people actually have the bravery and the strength to go and do that and to stand up for what they're believing is really powerful in itself. So I'm super happy to see that these protests have taken place recently. I would definitely have taken part if I was in London myself and you know, maybe even when I visit there might be something taking place and I might take part. Well, I don't know then because I'll be on holiday but no seriously this is really great to see. and. I'm glad that these kind of issues are really gaining attention in the media because it's kind of a back and forth argument. You have a large population of people who, you know, they're really paying attention to what's going on with the environment at the moment, really paying attention to climate change and really trying to get their voice heard and get other people informed and on board with the situation, but there are still the sometimes louder voices, despite perhaps being fewer who will argue against that and who also put these other people in kind of a negative light and really bash them in a way that is entirely unnecessary but I think it's all backed by greed and power because you have to understand that this zero waste industry while you can make money off of it um, and, you know, I'm sure people will take an advantage of the people who, who want to lead this zero-waste lifestyle by selling them some other product or by trying to make them believe something that isn't true. That does totally exist, but then you have to understand that there are others who are just protecting their interests, and by interest, I literally mean money because it is a multi-billion dollar industry when we talk about things like gas, fuel, petrol, and also the products that are being sold in the world and the trade between different countries. If we just did everything in an environmentally friendly manner, then these huge businesses and governmental organisations, even countries, would lose out on a lot of money. So although there have definitely been some changes, and I can see gradually that change is happening and people are listening... It does have to be a gradual process because otherwise it's almost like a shock to the system, a shock to life as we know it. So even from my perspective, I would love if tomorrow I woke up and everybody was just living this kind of environmentally conscious lifestyle, but I think it's entirely unrealistic and I have to be aware of that. So I think I'll start there. I'll start by saying that although it might seem like a really big big responsibility and it might seem like a lot of effort is needed to even try to begin and make these changes. I want you, the listener right now, to know that that is not the case. Often we are looking to the government, we are looking to the politicians to try and help us, help us and listen to us to get our points across and really help us make the changes that we need to make. Sometimes these problems are so big that they are in some ways completely out of our control and we do need this kind of outside help to get us where we need to be. Now this is the general perspective and and of course it's entirely true but don't underestimate the power of the individual. The same way that people are waking up and deciding, hey, today I want to go out and I want to protest and I want just my voice to be heard, is the same way that you can wake up and decide, do you know what, today I'm going to try really hard to reduce my use of plastics, or today I'm going to prepare my lunch, bring my reusable water bottle to work, These may sound like much smaller changes when we look at the bigger picture and the bigger impact that it's having on the earth as a whole, but please, if you're listening to this, do not underestimate the power of the individual. Because if we encourage more and more people to be a bit more conscious about the world around them, then... It might start out with one person but of course as we know and I'm sure you know that can quite easily grow into a small community and then a city and then a country worth of people who are thinking this way and all getting together to try and make a change. So now I want to talk about some of the things that you can do as an individual in your daily life to make a change for the better. Now I'm going to try and avoid throwing too many facts and figures at you but if you do have any questions there are some really good resources online now so many resources where you can find out some more information about the good that these changes can do and I highly suggest for you to do that if you're really unsure about what is going on out there and you have no idea about the extent of the problem then I would love if you did that, and even send me a message and let me know, because like I said, I'm constantly learning as well, so I would love to learn uh, some new things and really broaden my own mind as well at the same time. So in the past couple years, we've kind of had this lifestyle that is called zero waste becoming more popular. It's kind of gained in popularity to the point where it has become a little bit trendy in the same way that minimalism has become trendy. Minimalism has become trendy on platforms such as YouTube where people are encouraging others to live this lifestyle with less things in it. And we can also see there have been some documentaries on this such as The Minimalists or even Marie Kondo's KonMari Method. These are all ways that have kind of been encouraging this minimalist lifestyle but I have also seen recently YouTube videos on how to lead this zero waste lifestyle. It's a really big statement to say that you, as an individual, are going to literally produce zero waste. Uh, Not only is it a big statement, but it's actually really, really difficult. I'll be honest, it's not easy. Now, it's not going to be the lifestyle for the majority of people. It might not suit your everyday needs or your everyday way of living, but there are lots of things that actually everyone can do within this lifestyle and that are very simple. So please don't be scared off by this term zero waste. It does sound like a lot, but I would prefer to retitle it as low waste, this low waste lifestyle. So how can you and I as individuals lead a more low waste lifestyle? Well, like I said, I've just recently started myself on this journey and I'm literally just beginning to try and be more and more conscious of actually the waste that I'm producing to begin with. So when we think of waste, I think we can think of our household rubbish, what we throw in the bins on a day-to-day basis. This is a good place to start with something like recycling. I'm sure many of you know what recycling is and hopefully have it available where you live. I know I have a global audience, so I'm not sure if it's an easy option for everyone, but I think recycling on its own has become a term that is very well known and also a practice that is quite easy to implement into your daily life because it has been made easier by those bigger organisations, by the governmental organisations, by providing things like recycle boxes straight to your home so that you can easily do it without having to put in too much extra effort. Now, with recycling specifically, there are pros and cons to this. Depending on where you live, you might find out that actually a lot of the things that you think you can recycle, you can't, sadly. For example, here in Canada, we have a really big coffee chain that is called Tim Hortons. If you ever plan on visiting Canada, I'm sure you will hear about this or even visit this large coffee chain at some point. Now, when people get a coffee from here, they get it in what appears to be a cardboard cup. And many Canadians assume, because it looks like a paper product, that they can instantly throw this into their recycling for paper products. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Well, actually, these coffee cups are lined with a coating of plastic, something that can't be recycled because now we have a mix of several materials and not just one. And this is just one example of something that I'm sure millions and millions of Canadians every day think that they can recycle, but nobody's really telling them or informing them that they can't. So. They are making this, perhaps, mistake, but of course it's not on purpose, it's not their fault. That's a really big thing I want to say to start off with. If you do decide that you want to live and lead this lifestyle, you have to really get engaged with the community, but don't judge those who are trying to make the change, because it's not easy for everyone. The education isn't really there when it comes to this topic. I think that's why I say I'm constantly learning, because I'm constantly shocked by the new things that I'm finding out. So just be open and accepting that it's not always easy to make these changes, but it's excellent if you even start. So we think of our rubbish, we think of recycling. We also have composting, which in the UK, um, at least in London, I know it's also made really easy the same way that recycling is, as we're given a composting bin. So every week, I believe, or every other week, we have men who come to collect our compost for our food. So we don't need to throw our food waste into our general rubbish bins. We can have them collected in a separate bin that can then be composted. This is really good because around $31 billion worth of food is wasted every year. Um, I saw this on torontoenvironment.org and I don't know if that's globally or <laughs> just in Canada, but I'm sure it's globally and that's that's a lot. Like. 31 billion dollars worth of food. I don't even want to think of that. But essentially, you might think, well, if the food decomposes naturally anyway, why can't it just go in our general rubbish? Well, that's what I thought as well. I was thinking this, like eventually it would decompose. Sure, it would definitely decompose easier than, let's say, plastic. But actually, when it ends up at landfill... It just ends up sitting there and producing more methane gas. In addition to that, I think it's just quite nice for the bin men that they don't have to take these extra smelly or disgusting bin bags that are mixed with food because, let's be honest, that can be quite disgusting and also it does attract wildlife. Like in London, the foxes love to go through your rubbish bags. Here where I live, we have possums and they love to go through your rubbish bags to find those food scraps so even in terms of hygiene and for the bin man's sake it is a good option now i'm sure there are many many more reasons why composting is good but again i'm just giving you some brief examples of things you can do in terms of actually buying food that can be one of the most difficult changes to make depending on where you live because you might find as soon as you walk into the supermarket that everything is wrapped in some form of plastic or another perhaps even down to the fruits and vegetables now that's just crazy to me that you need to wrap something like a banana that already has a skin or an orange that already has a skin and even just your regular fruits and vegetables like lettuce, broccoli, cauliflower it doesn't seem necessary to me to wrap these things in plastic I quite happily pick those up and just buy them as they are Um, At the moment I'm actually trying to create my own kind of produce bags specifically for this purpose because although I don't really care if it's wrapped in anything and I'm happy to just buy it as it is, if you're buying things like brussels sprouts or beans then it can be a lot more useful to put this into some kind of bag. So there we have an example of um, making things, repurposing for example fabric that you have if you have any clothing that is no longer of use to you, then you can always reuse this fabric to make things like bags for your grocery shopping or bags for your fruits and vegetables and many other things that could be useful. For example, if you're a woman, you can make cotton pads to remove your makeup if that's something that you would use normally or handkerchiefs to blow your nose. There's a long list of ways that you can use fabric for purposes that are going to actually reduce your waste in the long run so it is quite difficult when it comes to food but in Canada we actually have something called bulk Barn. it's a really big chain store where you can buy um, lots of different types of food in bulk so your spices, your flour, your rice Um, Even your chocolate and biscuits if you still want to eat those. I'm not giving up chocolate anytime soon, let me tell you that. So this is already a really good option and it's not perfect but I get the choice and the option to bring in my own containers, my own jars and refill them with food there, which is great. And also if you have markets nearby to get the fruit and vegetables locally sourced, supporting your community, and also probably package free, if you're just getting it straight from the market or straight from the farm, then that's great. Again, where I live, we do have this option. Um, It's more in summer, however, because I do live in Canada and it's definitely way too cold in the winter to grow anything. But if you live in a hotter country, you might even have this option all year round. So these are just a few of the ways that you can reduce your waste. Uh, Again, I would really suggest for you to look online and research this lifestyle, this community, because it is really amazing and I found so many really friendly people already and I've only just started and also so many cool ideas that I really want to try and like I said, I'm going to try those over on my blog. But moving on to other ways that you can try to be more environmentally friendly. We can start, for example, by talking about transport. So like I said, I'm sure we all know that Uh, the oil industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and i don't think it's going to be moving anytime soon like within the next couple of years but there definitely have been some big changes we can see already the creation of hybrid cars of solely electric cars and not only have they been created but i've seen that they have also become more popular which is great um in london we have a company called uber i think It's also widely available around the world. And most Uber cars in London are hybrid cars, hybrid Tesla cars. So that's really cool. And it's only the start, but again, seeing all these shifts and changes, especially in big cities like in London to have hybrid buses also, and the use of rental bike services. These are great ways of reducing the pollution produced by public transport, which can definitely amount to a lot in a big busy city. Of course, if you want to try and reduce your footprint in this way, it is encouraged for you perhaps to try and take public transport or to walk more or to cycle more. But I know this isn't easy depending on where you live. Living in London, it's definitely really easy to take public transport. That's what I did my whole life and honestly, I still haven't got my driver's license and I don't know if I'll be getting it anytime soon. But actually where I live now, it's definitely a lot more almost necessary to have a car to get around because Canada is such a big country that it's still not really built up to the extent where you can just take public transport everywhere. It definitely is an option for some cases, but having a car is kind of seen as a necessity here. And I've avoided it thus far because I do work from home, so it's not necessary for me in my daily life, but I probably might have to get one in the future. I'm hoping that by the time I get a car that everything is electric anyway. And while we're on the subject of transportation, we can also talk about airplanes. And this one's a difficult one for me because I love airplanes and I love aviation. I love anything to do with this topic. I love traveling, I love flying. So for me, this is something that I personally don't think that I can ever really reduce my footprint on because being an expat to Canada, naturally I will need to go back and visit my family in the UK quite frequently, or at least every few years. I really enjoy traveling, so I will continue to do that. So yeah, my family kind of lives everywhere in England, even in America, so it's always going to be necessary for me to travel by plane but not only that I do honestly really like to travel by plane however on the other hand I do really like staycations and staycations we use this term for like a mini holiday close to where you live and I do this quite frequently again over on my blog I've kind of posted that I really like to stay at some airbnbs so I try to find a few airbnbs within a one two, three hour drive on average from where I live. So this is what I kind of class as a staycation, just going on holiday to a place that isn't really too far away and I can just stay there for kind of like a long weekend. So that's all I'm going to say for today. I don't want to talk your ear off completely. This is definitely a topic that I could talk about for a long time though. It's something that I am very passionate about. If you are my student and you're listening to this, you probably know I do like to talk about it quite a lot. (laughs) But I'm by no means an expert. I need to make so many changes in my own life and I'm really going to try that and do as much as I possibly can. Just a few more facts before I leave you today. Um, 25,000 trees are cut down for toilet paper every year. I found that on chicagotribune.com. Toilet paper, sometimes we call it TP. Uh, which is actually used as a verb to prank someone by putting toilet paper all over their house. This is TPing their house. I haven't done it. I'm just putting it out there letting you know I don't really like pranks. But yep, 25,000 trees cut down for toilet paper every year. Of course, this is something that we normally need. But there are ways around it, such as a bidet, which can reduce your use. Sadly, on average, around 10% of clothing that is donated to, for example, charity shops, thrift stores, are actually kept by these stores, and the rest is actually given away. So, while I do encourage you to buy things secondhand, it's something that I definitely love to do. Sadly, the industry is still not perfect. So, if you're someone that likes to buy something new, but you say, hey, but I give my clothing away to the thrift stores and I'm a good person (laughs) I'm just kidding you are a good person but just because you give your clothing away to the thrift stores doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be resold now some of it might be exported elsewhere which is great Uh, it's a really good option to give it to the countries where they really need these kind of items and clothing some of it might even be recycled But I imagine a large amount of it is also thrown to waste. So um, if we can kind of keep everything within our community, uh, reusing, recycling. If you are buying things at thrift stores and you are within this cycle already, then you're good. (laughs) You can also pass things on to your close family members and friends. Okay, so I hope you found this podcast interesting or useful today. Let me know what you thought of today's episode over on my Instagram at tnchatpodcast. And I will see you for next week when we will have Culture Week. So remember, if you want to vote on next week's topic, you can do so at Patreon. Other than that, I hope you have a lovely weekend and I will see you next week.